0: Well, good morning, Centerway Church. So glad you are here today. We want to welcome everyone that is in the room with us on this beautiful August day. A warm welcome to anyone that's traveling right now, joining us live online. I know we've got people online right now from New Jersey and uh, Phoenix, New York. It's not Phoenix, Arizona, but uh, we'll take it. Uh, As well as anyone that's watching or listening a little bit later on in the week or later on in the year. Uh, We're just so grateful that we get to gather in so many ways, and we want to wish a special welcome to any of the guests that may be here with us today. We are so glad you're here. We've prayed for you uh, and we're happy to serve you in any way that we can. In fact, the next few weeks are designed expressly for you, our guests. One way that we hope to serve you is through connecting with you. And so we would love for you to share your information with us. Now, uh, if you're like me, you hear the phrase share information, you get a little hesitant. Uh, but we want to let you know that in, uh, we would love for you to do that so that we could get feedback from you, uh, follow up with you, and serve you in any way that we can. Um, there are two ways to connect with us in that way. First of which is filling out your information on a hard copy note uh, that's in the seat back right in front of you there. You can fill that out and put that in the offering box in the back uh, on your way out. But the second way to share the information is electronically, and we do that Excuse me, a couple different ways. Uh, One is um, on the Next Steps page of our website. Uh, The other way to do that is the You version or Bible app that could be on your phone or your tablet. Uh, The app is really, really useful uh, during our gathering to follow along, take notes, and even give financially if you choose to do so uh, in that way. Uh, Again, we don't want our uh, guests to to give by any means, uh, but that is a useful tool. And as already mentioned, um, if you attend regularly and you prefer not to give through that app, you can use the envelope in front of you and place it in the offering box. Or you can go to the Give tab of our website. Lots of different ways to do that. Uh, One of the things that we love at Centerway is that uh, we don't just have an experience or an event on Sunday morning and then say, Good luck throughout the week. We'll see you next week. We have resources so that you can connect and engage throughout the week. Uh, With us and with the Lord, we have wallpapers, Spotify playlists, social media channels, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals uh, that you can subscribe to using the info card or using the website there. And you can visit the messages page of the website to access all those resources. Another thing that uh, we believe firmly at Centerway is that each and every one of us have a next step in our relationship with Jesus. We can't just say, there, I did it. I'm done. Me and Jesus, we're as close as we're ever going to be, right? There's always a next step that we can take uh, and so in order to connect with you in that way, we have a next steps area in the back after uh, the gathering. It's going to be stationed there. A Claude will be there uh, and there's also a next steps area of our website. If you're watching online or you want to just check it out via the website, we've got that next steps area too. Number of ways to continue to learn to follow Jesus and we would love to help you in that journey. So you can check out the calendar page of the website for upcoming events and activities. And one very special thing to point out is that three weeks from today, September 17th, we'll be celebrating our five-year anniversary. Super, super excited about that. Uh, we're going to have our gathering at 10 a.m. like typical, but then we're going to have food trucks, lawn games, and more following that, that gathering. And then the week after that, so four weeks after, from today, uh, on September 24th, we're going to have our next water baptism. If you'd like to sign up, you can do that at the Next Steps area or the Next Steps page of our website that I mentioned earlier. So if you have questions, feedback, ideas, or you need prayer for anything, the best way to connect with us is through email, connect at centerwaychurch.com. Now here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. I'm going to be reading the scripture text for today, then Claude will be communicating from the Bible, and then we're going to respond to the word by worship through singing. It's an exciting day today. I'm really, really excited about what God is up to in this place. Let's, uh, let's anticipate what he's about to do as we just bow our heads and hearts in, in uh, prayer. Lord, we thank you so, so much that you are uh, the God that sees us, that you are the God that hears us, that you are uh, not a God who is quick to condemn, but Lord God, you give us grace and your mercies are new every single morning. Lord, we lean into that grace. We lean into that mercy today and pray, Lord God, that whatever we need from your hand, that you would would extend it today, that we would have spiritual eyes to see your hand extended love and grace and hope and joy and all of those things to us. And God, we give our life, to you, we give this time to you, would you speak to us in whatever way we need, Lord God, and we ask it in Jesus' powerful name, amen, amen. Well, the scripture this morning is found in Isaiah chapter 26 verses 1 through 15. Uh, There's going to be the the scripture up on the screen, you can follow along there or in your uh, scripture journals on your phone or any other means that you do that. Isaiah 26, 1 through 15. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the heights, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, casts it to the dust. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgment, O so Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire for your adversaries consume them. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us, for you have indeed done for us all our works. O Lord, our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone we bring to remembrance. They are dead. They will not live. They are shades. They will not arise. To that end, you have visited them with destruction and wiped out all remembrance of them. But you have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation. You are glorified. You have enlarged all the borders of the land.
1: Thanks, Eric. That was weird, like you wanted to dance with me for a second. I liked it. Um Good morning and welcome. (laughs) It's kind of awkward beginning there. Uh, My name is Claude. Uh, My my wife Meredith and I are the lead pastors here at Centerway Church, and uh, just want to welcome you. And as has already been mentioned, uh, today we continue in our R-E series, our summer series. And uh, today's title, which begins with an R and an E as well, is response. Response. And uh, today's text is actually about our response to situations. And then ultimately, as you heard the scripture go on, our response to God, what our response is to God. And I realize that every week we have people at all different places in their spiritual journey, either live in the room, listening or online, watching uh, live or after the fact. And so wherever you are in your spiritual journey, uh, obviously want to welcome you to, to pace with us and consider what it is that your response to God is, what your response to situations are. Um, and again, if you're on the, the extreme of not being in relationship with the Lord at all, maybe your response is to even doubt the existence of God. And that's okay. Uh, that's perfectly all right. Um, wherever you are on the journey, I just want to challenge you to specifically consider your response, What is your response in situations? What is your response to God, specifically when situations are difficult or tough? I thought a little bit about how I could illustrate difficult moments, and there were so many, so many uh, examples of opportunities where things got tough and kind of revealed how it is that, that I or others respond or in the moment react. And w- one thing continued to come to my mind. It was an opportunity that we had to go whitewater rafting. And my wife and I have been whitewater rafting several times. Uh, we used to go out with a, with a group of people. We used to take uh, teenagers with us because we were uh, youth pastors for about 10 years. And uh, so we would do events with whitewater rafting and there's always just endless moments associated with that that I could share. But there was one moment in particular where a gentleman that was uh, that was older uh, was with us in our raft, and he was a heavyset gentleman, and he was uh, very uncomfortable being there. Uh, one would wonder why he was there. In fact, at one point, he seemed so extremely terrified that I actually asked him, so what brings you here today? <laughs> And he said, I didn't think it would be like this. And I was like, well, like I don't know what the options are. You're whitewater rafting. Like, What did you think you'd be like in a canoe? Like, <whistles> uh, He said, I just thought it would be more of like you sit in the boat and you go down the stream. And this was very much like whitewater um, rafting where you're all in. And sometimes you're all out. And uh, so there were a lot of instructions and uh, directions and things that you have to do and uh, certain rapids that you hit certain ways. And so it it gets real in those moments. And there were people that would inevitably go over the side. And so there were directions about what what you should do if you go over the side, how you should react, all of that, ropes that could be thrown. I've shared some of those stories in the past if you've journeyed with us uh, from the beginning here of different uh, experiences that we've had along the way. But this gentleman in particular, he fell out. And uh, honestly, when he fell out, it was nerve wracking to everyone because of how large of an individual he was. Um, So he fell out and tried to swim back and couldn't. And so the instructor in the back is yelling to him and uh, he's trying to give him direction to swim. And this guy is like all in. He's following every instruction. And so he's doing everything he's told to do. And the rapids are taking him the opposite way. He's going into a danger area, and so he so the instructor throws what's called a lifeline, which is like a bag with a rope in it. He launches that off. It's tied to the raft, so if there's something that goes wrong, it's not even contingent on him holding it. It's like the guy still has a lifeline, and so it's a perfect shot, like enough to where even in chaos, we're like, dude, nice throw. Like it goes right across this guy's shoulder, and he grabs a hold of it, and so he starts coming in, and he's towing him back, and we're like all relieved, and he's still giving instructions on everybody else, because we're right in the thick of it. This guy gets... Gets up to the side and he's given instruction that when you get to the side of the raft to, to let go of everything, to basically just go limp. Because at that point, he has to grab the top of your life jacket and he pulls you in. This guy is like, you're not doing that. And so he gets to the side and he grabs the rope on the side of the boat. And the guy says, let go of the rope. And he goes, no. (laughs) And he goes, no, let go. I've got to pull you in. And he goes, pull me in. And he's like, let go of the rope. (laughs) He goes, pull me in. And we're like going down and everybody's like, just do what he says. You know, we're all like, and he grabs a hold of this guy and tries to pull him in. And what happens is what you'd expect. Uh, The guy, once he gets to kind of the apex of the moment where he could potentially be pulled in, his hands are pushed down on the boat on this rope, the rope slides to the side and he slides off and kicks back into the water. And so he yells at the guy, let go of the rope! And he's like, no! Like, oh my gosh! And uh, so they're kind of yelling back and forth. And so he yell- He looks at this guy and he goes, look at me! And the guy like looks up and he goes, look at me! And he looks up and he goes, do you want to die? the guy's like, no! And he goes, do you trust me? He's like, huh? let go! And so he's like, let's go. And this guy grabs hold of him. Obviously he's trained. He knows what he's doing. He puts both feet down into the raft and just stands up with all of his strength and pulls this ginormous dude into the raft in a moment of brilliance. And we all cheer mostly because now we're all not going to die. And so we continue to, to raft down and, um, It was so intense and crazy and uh, we're all cheering and excited. There's a moment where you can celebrate and the reason I share the story is because it's a direct correlation to some of what it is that we struggle with as individuals and the question I want to ask as we move into the text today is this, what do you lean on when life gets tough? What do you lean on when life gets tough? And I know that we're spending time in Isaiah, and so we're talking about a lot about difficulty and tough times, and maybe you're on a mountaintop and things are great. And that's okay, uh, because we live life enough to know that you, if there's not a tough time right now, there's probably one around the corner. Uh, it's just the reality of the life that we live, and no matter uh, how much life you've lived, at some point, you deal with difficult, tough times, and what is it that you lean on? We all lean on something. Or someone, when things get tough, now you might say i don 't <laughs> people have left me down i 've tried everything, and they, they just can 't support me in my moments of need, and so i don 't trust anyone but myself and so, as far as I know, yourself is a someone, <laughs> so the answer to your question would be, I trust only myself <laughs> in those moments of difficulty and tough. I lean into myself and Sometimes that's embarrassing to admit, or that's even difficult to process. But the reality is, we even let ourselves down. There's things that we've said that we regret. There's actions that we've taken that we wish we could take back. No matter where it is that you find yourself, you might have a different answer to the question and say, In moments of difficulty, I realize I let myself down too much. And so, what do you lean on? Do you lean on your abilities? Do you lean on your intellect? Do you lean on, on the, the opportunity to say, listen, I can solve this problem? I've done it before. Pretty sharp guy, pretty sharp girl. I can do this. Do you lean on your friends, your family? What is it that you lean on in difficult, tough moments? And I know that there's enough people in the room that there's some of you, I'm in your head, some of you are sitting there and saying, I lean on the Lord. This is a great message for everyone else. But I lean on the Lord, pastor. (laughs) Amen? Right? And that's great. And I believe that some of you do. I believe that a lot of us lean on the Lord in moments of difficulty. And so the question that I kind of ask you is, what does that mean? What does it mean? If you're sitting there and you're saying, listen, my answer is in moments of difficulty, I lean on God what does that look like what does it look like for for you to lean on God for those of you that would say that i've asked people that question a lot i'm a rather inquisitive guy as you know <laughs> and so i've in december it will be 25 years that my wife and i have been in full time ministry if you can believe that i know we started when we were 10 <laughs> no <laughs> no we were 20 anyway so the <laughs> not that old um, or at least that's what I say to my mirror every morning. No, just kidding. Uh the in the 25 years, I've I've always been intrigued by people's responses. And specifically when they're like churchy answers. Because we we have spiritual jargon. Like the, the longer you're in the church, the longer and maybe I know some of us are completely new to the church experience. Um and, and that's okay and that's great. But at some point you almost get kind of desensitized and you pick up jargon that is like they're just words you say like i'm going to lean on god brother like what do you mean and so i've asked questions so when you say you lean on the lord what does that look like in your life and it's interesting how some people almost get defensive like whoa don't don't ask me about my spiritual jargon that is completely hollow and empty <laughs> i don't know what it looks like i just say that when people ask <laughs> how are you i'm good is in your life a wreck I know, but I just say I'm good, so I don't have to have this conversation. Like there's these moments, these guards that we put up, these fences, if you will. What does it look like to really lean on God when things get tough? And so most of the answers that I've gathered in that vein are more often than not in church circles, they look like this. This is the the answer after 25 years of deep research. (laughs) Most of the answers look like this. When things get tough, I lean on God by praying that my situation or my circumstances will change. For most of us, for most people in Christendom, Leaning on God when things are difficult looks like praying that our situation or our circumstances will change. I'm leaning on God. That means I want everything about this pain, this hurt, this difficulty to change. Here's the problem. What if the situation and the circumstances stay the same? What if they stay the same? Then what? Did God let you down? Hmm. Some people would say yes. A lot of people would say yes. Because their theology is contingent upon this idea that when things get difficulty, when there's pain, when there's hurt, the way I lean on God is to tell God to change my situation. And when he does, I praise him. When he doesn't, I question his existence. I question his love for me why would god allow bad things to happen we've all heard that we've all thought that on some level what does it look like when our circumstances stay the same should we lean on other things should we lean on other people some people conclude that they come to the conclusion i tried quote unquote i tried god What that means is I prayed a prayer for my situation to change. It didn't change, and so then I turned to the people around me that would give me the answers I want to hear, or I took matters into my own hands, because after all, I can solve my own problems. You see, theology based on us getting our way is dangerous and empty. It just is. That's why it can't sustain life, right? So, hey, this is painful. This is hurtful. This is difficult. God, change it. God didn't change it. He must not be real. What? That's not a theology around the sovereignty of God. That's a theology based on, I want things to go my way, and I know better. That's you saying, I'm going to hold on to this rope. Because I'm pretty heavy. I'm pretty heavy. And I don't think you can pull me out of this. So you get one shot, God. Try as hard as you can. And God's looking at you saying, let go of the rope. you're like, "Uh uh-uh. Because I got to hold on to this in case you can't do what you say you're going to (laughs) do. You see, some of us use poor theology to dismiss God. We say if God was real, then things would change. And so we turn to other things to try to stabilize or insulate our lives or to self-medicate the pain that inevitably comes when life does not work out the way we want it to. But here's the thing. If you've lived life for any amount of time, you know people and things can't support the weight of your life. They can't support the weight of your life. And so in the moments where you turn to a spouse or you turn to friends, they let you down because they were never intended to support the weight of your life. And they're no more sovereign than you are. So they're, they're just an echo chamber of the pain that you're expressing. I don't know what to do about this. And they're like, me neither. And you're like, oh my gosh, let's just stay here and cry and grow in bitterness towards the world around us. They're like, yes, let us do that, my friend. Maybe they're not that devious. But if they do this, why are you with them? Like this is a bad guy move all the time. They do that, walk away. Anyway. what The rhythms that we find ourselves in, in moments of desperation, reveal us. You see, people and things They let us down, sometimes on purpose, but sometimes by accident. They just simply weren't intended to bear the weight of our lives. So what should our response be? What should our response be? Like, what does it look like in our most difficult moments? And today's text actually addresses this. These 15 verses are broken into three subsections. I'm gonna kind of explain them quickly and then we'll focus on the first section uh, for the remainder of our time together. Then you'll see why in a moment. So the first six verses, verses one through six, are actually a song. (laughs) They're a song of confidence. You could tell because Eric was singing it this morning. No, he wasn't. And I am angry at him about that. (laughs) Next time, my friend. No. So the first six verses are actually a song. They're a song of confidence in God. And then verses seven through nine is actually a prayer. And then 10 through 15 are a confession of dependence on God. And as as Christ followers, as people that profess to be Christians, if you are one of those in this space, you tend to want to jump to, to verses 10 through 15 and declare the goodness of God. The problem is there's verses one through nine that have to be established before we can go to the response part. And so sometimes when we get to the response part, we say things like, I'm leaning on the Lord. Everybody's like, I don't understand. Because the process on the front end hasn't really occurred. So I, as I mentioned before, our focus will be on the front end because verses 7 through 15 are an outflow to what is actually being addressed and declared in verses 1 through 6. So I'm going to start with verse 3. Verse 3 says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. So you, meaning God, keep him, meaning us. Okay, so God keeps us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on God because we trust in God. So when things are tough, God promises peace. He promises peace. The text actually says perfect peace. So in the original Hebrew, it actually says peace, peace. You all know that I'm kind of, if you've been here for any amount of time, you know that I'm kind of a Hebrew nerd, and I love the language, and one of the things I love about it is kind of on display just in this verse here, where perfect peace is actually written out, peace, peace. I love that, right? Like, not peace, peace, peace. Like, perfect peace. The type of peace that we only dream about having access to the sense of stability and calmness, even in the midst of storms and difficulty, a peace that passes all understanding. And so we read this sometimes in Christian circles and we say, oh, God will give us peace. Well, peace takes place when we get our way. (laughs) And so we kind of pervert the text into being like, oh, God provides our way. And so if we have enough faith, we'll get our way. But if you play that out, that would mean God's rather abusive, interestingly enough, right? It would mean this. If you just kind of cherry pick an illustration real quick, if my kids were getting ready to go to bed and they're like, dad, I'm, I'm really, I'm really hungry. Could I just have a dozen chicken wings? <laughs> and yeah, I'm going big. But my son might actually call for that, so it's not that far off, but it, it, they're like, can I just have a? A dozen wings, real quick. And be like, no, you cannot have a dozen chicken wings. You are going to bed. Like, dad, I know that you love me. I know that you love me so much that if only I ask and believe that you would provide me with these chicken wings. Oh, dad, that loves me so deeply and whom I love would you please bestow upon your hungry son these dozen chicken wings? Son, you have asked the appropriate way, both in love, acknowledging my sovereignty, and expressing faith in my capacity to provide you wings. Wife, get the chicken wings. Our son has asked, and I am a benevolent father. One that's absurd on so many levels, and I appreciate you <laughs> placating with me, but that would be abusive, right? To give my kid a dozen wings before he goes to bed? We're like, thanks, Dad. And somewhere around 1 a.m., we just hear the fountain of gratitude in the bathroom. <laughs> like, it. They'd be vomiting in case you're not connecting the dot. Okay, so, like, we get it. That's disgusting. But the point is, that that's where the abuse would come and be like, yeah, but he asked right. Here's the deal. I have a perspective. He doesn't. So don't just give him what he asks. That wouldn't make sense. Why in the world do we think that that's the way God should function? Why in the world do we think that that's the way? God, I asked right. If you love me, give me this. He's not abusive? How would he give you things just because you asked? There's this reality of, of the will of God and the awareness that he loves us and that he's for us that has to connect the dots where we start to realize like, oh, God actually cares for me. This isn't just like Santa Claus in the sky that if we ask properly, we get our wish and yay. You see... Peace is not about getting our way. And we hate that because we still think it is. Even though I use that illustration, there's still a little part of you that's like, yeah, but. I mean, I'm asking something that he should do. <laughs> I understand the world enough to realize this is a tremendous opportunity for God if he would just listen man, would people begin to follow him if, they just, if he would just pay attention to my prayers and do everything I ask. No, he says peace. Peace. Okay. So how? How? What is our response to difficulty, to hardship, to pain? If we want to lean on God, if we really want to declare that we, that we actually truly lean on God, how does one do that? How does it happen? It's not as easy as it sounds, right? Like, oh, I'm a Christian. I will have peace. Like, no. You keep him in perfect peace, comma, whose mind is stayed on you. The comma isn't in the text, but it's paused in the original. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. There's a condition. There's a condition to our access to perfect peace. The manner in which we receive perfect peace is that our mind is stayed on God. Get this? The answer to to your pursuit of peace is actually, shockingly, counterintuitive. It goes against everything that our flesh desires. You, in fact, I, in fact, we should not focus on ourselves. Wow. Who knew? We should not focus on ourselves. We should not focus on our pain. We should not focus on our situation. You see, focusing on what's right in front of us, that's super easy. Anyone can do that. Animals do that, right? You put something in front of them, they focus on it. And so we we sit through that, yeah, but we should really obsess about this And yet God is saying, if you want perfect peace, stay your mind on me. Focus your mind on me. It's a decision. It's a discipline. The the default is to focus on the problem. The decision is to say, in the midst of this pain, I will focus my mind on you. Don't focus on the things in front of you. Set your mind on God. Set your mind on God. Look at me. Right? Some of you feel like you're hanging off the side of a raft in the middle of the, of the worst rapids you've ever been in in your life. And God is looking at you and saying, look at me. You're like, but I'm, I'm going to drown. Do you want to die? Look at me. Do you want hope? Do you want peace? Do you want peace, peace? Look at me. And you're just gripping the rope. You're leaning on everything else. You say, just let go. Why in the world would we focus and set our mind on God when our heart hurts? You see, because there's the problem. There's a duality. God is saying, focus your mind on me. And you're like, but my heart, my heart hurts. My my heart is panicked. I'm concerned, like, but focus your mind on me. Verse three says this. Let's read the last section. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because what? He trusts you. Because he trusts you. Verse 3 says, it reveals that we trust God when we choose to stay our mind on Him. Look at me. Why trust God? This dude was like four bills, maybe. Like he was around 400 pounds. I don't know why I talk that way. <laughs> he was around 400 pounds. And he's hanging, hanging over the side, and he's just scared to death. And everything inside of him says, "This guy who is 180 pounds, soaking wet. There's no way he can physically pull me out of this water. I need to save myself." And the guy's saying, "You trust me?" And I remember his response. He's like, eh. it's like it's kind of like you're in this moment. You're like I'm pretty, bi- I'm pretty big. I'm not sure you can handle this. Do you trust God? Do you trust God because Scripture says, this one's fun, that our heart is deceptive. (laughs) That our heart is deceptive, but God is truth. He's truth. So we, our heart, our panicked heart, with everything in front of us, is deceptive. You're like, yeah, but I trust that. I trust what I'm feeling. I trust what I'm seeing. And God's like, but I'm truth. I've got this. From the, from the beginning of time until the end of time, I see everything. I have perspective. And sometimes some of us are, are like a little kid pitching a fit before bed, being like, but I'm hungry. And God's like, you don't, you don't have any perspective about what's actually at play. Do you trust me? But I don't like this. Do you trust me? That's, that's the crux. That's the issue. Is the trust thing. <laughs> you know, and I've used this illustration, I don't know, countless times at this point. But the, the illustration I'll use just real quickly is a guy going across a, a wire in front of, uh, right over Niagara Falls. He Goes across, comes back. Everyone's like, it's amazing. And he puts a wheelbarrow up there. It's like, Gee, who thinks I can go across on the wheelbarrow? Everyone cheers. You can do it. You believe I can? Yes. Get in the wheelbarrow. That's trust, that moment right there. Like we can have confidence that God is good Mm, all the time. (laughs) We can say, I'm leaning on the Lord. Like what does it look like? I want to tell you, this is what it looks like, getting in the wheelbarrow. It looks like letting go of the rope. Easier said than done. Get this, if you are consumed with your situation, it's revealing where you've placed your trust? Think about it. the The thing that is gripping you right now, the thing that you've turned to in the midst of that difficult. What are you leaning on? Like, okay, yeah, but I always do that. Okay, so there's a pattern. <laughs> so, what is it that you lean into in your darkest of moments, in your more difficult times? As we kind of celebrated and we went to a, a calmer part of the water. The uh, the guy directing the the raft, he starts to to share a story because this guy's apologetic. He's like, I should have trusted you, man, I know and he's like, Hey, you did almost everything right till the very end and we're all kinda like laughing about it and he goes, That's okay. He's like, I remember the first time that I was coming down the rapids and I, I don't recount this story quite as clearly as he shared it that day, but I remember some things that he said about it. And it was something along the lines of another individual that looked at him and said, I can't let go. He said, it was the first time I I pulled somebody out, and they just, they wouldn't, they kept slipping off the side. And I was yelling at them,
0: let go. And
1: And they just screamed back, I can't. I'm trying, but I can't. We're like, whoa, what did you do? And he's like, well, in retrospect, I realized It wasn't that they didn't trust me. It's that they trusted the rope more. (laughs) That'll preach, right? Because some of you are like, listen, I trust God. 99% of the time. (laughs) But there's that one time where I am white-knuckled on that rope, and I'm like, trust me, I'm a pretty big dude. (laughs) I don't think you got this one. It's like, so what do you do? He goes, well, here's the thing I learned that day that when they're trusting in themselves more than me, the only option is to give them truth to wake them up. And he said, so that's why I just looked at him and said, do you want to die? <laughs> he goes, here's the deal. He's got a life preserver on. He's not going to die. He's like, we're in a class two. Uh, we had class four rabbits ahead of us. He goes, we're in a class two right there. There's not even sharp rocks. There were some dangerous pockets. But he's not going to die. He said, like, but there's something about that moment when you speak truth it like, snaps you out of it like no i don't want to die like huh. he goes then let go okay he's like so in our desperate darkest moments i want to tell you like is it possible that maybe what we need is truth is it possible that the thing that you need to stop relying on yourself is to allow truth to set your heart and mind straight but here's the deal god is truth so, will you set your mind on Him? We allow God to, to reframe and provide you perspective on your situation and your circumstances. Because guess what? Verse 4 says this trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. An everlasting rock. We trust God when we understand the stability that He provides. That's the truth. And in moments of difficulty and hardship and pain and everything, we're, we're just running rampant with what's in front of our face and our heart is heavy. In those moments, we trust God when, he, when we know he's the only stable thing in our life. Do you know that? He's the only thing stable. And you might be like, well, I don't know. I mean, my spouse is pretty awesome. I know, Meredith. Gosh, so embarrassing. <laughs> no, you might say, Meredith is my wife, for those that aren't connecting the dots. You might say, like, oh, my spouse is great, but here's the deal. They, they weren't created to sustain the weight of your life. They weren't. And so at some point, they will let you down. Intentionally or, on perfect, intentionally or accidentally. Like, well, my, my stability is in my intellect until you come across a problem you simply can't solve. Finances, until you come across a problem that you simply can't pay for. I can use the illustration over and over and over again. God is the only rock until we trust that when we know he is the only stable thing in our life. We trust God when we know how much he loves us. Do you know how much God loves you? See, sometimes the lie that we, that we believe is that we're unlovable, Because we know the brokenness of our own life. Or because of well-meaning or not so well-meaning people speaking the lie that we are not lovable into our lives. And so at an early age, we believe that we have to perform or that we we have to do things in order to earn love. And God's like, it's a lie. I love you. Yeah, but I'm broken. I know I love you. But I'm so wicked. Yeah, I, I love you. We say all the time, that we want to express unconditional love. And I think there's the closest moment that you can really experience unconditional love is the very moment when you hold your newborn child. If if you have ever had a child that that, that moment where you're like, Oh my goodness, that is a, a second, a snippet of the unconditional love that God provides. It is gone the moment that kid shriels in, the, in your sleep. <laughs> like, and you're like, I love you. <laughs> but there, there's a moment where it's like it can't offer you anything. It's just there, and you love it. You love him. You love her. You don't know her. you just perfect. That's the way God views you every moment of your life. God loves you even in the midst of your shrilling. We trust God when we know he's the only stable thing. We trust God when we know how much he loves us. We trust God when we know that he is for us, not against us. We trust God when we finally realize that he is truth. It's summarized like this. We trust God When we know the gospel, when we understand truly the gospel, then we get to a place where we can start to understand and trust God, that God loved us so much that he willingly gave Jesus and that Jesus willingly endured the cross, that he lived the perfect life. None of us could. And as an expression of love, he laid down his life and took the penalty of death for our sins. He went to a cross and died, but it did not end there. He didn't simply secure our capacity to to be forgiven for the sin of our life. He rose from the dead and had victory over death. So that the death and grave can no longer hold us. That the biggest threat over our life is that it will someday end. But in the moment that Jesus rose again, he secured eternity for us. That we have the ability to be in relationship with God. God. question is whether or not you believe that, whether or not you trust it. So, Jesus did not die so that we could always get our way. That is a cheapening of the gospel. He did not die and lay down his life so that everything we ask, we would get. It's not so that your life would be ideal according to what it is that you understand. Those are lies that never deliver and would ultimately be abusive. No. The gospel means that when we set our minds on him in the midst of our pain, in the middle of our difficulty, even if things don't go our way, we can have a peace that passes all understanding. We can rest and have a confidence that although we may not understand it and we may not see how God is at work, he is at work on our behalf because he loves us. That he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. You're not alone. God is with you. He's walking with you through the pain. He's leading you and he's guiding you. Will you trust him? In the midst of those moments, will you look into the face of God and let go of the rope and the security that you've clung on to and realize, okay, God, God can handle this. I trust him. That's the truth. Don't settle for a lie. We say every week that the text requires something of us. And of course, this week is no different so I want to leave you with a, with a question as we begin to go into a time of response and the question is this, what lie can I replace with truth? What lie is it that you're believing today that you can replace with the truth of the gospel? What is it that you've believed, that you've settled for, that you're wrestling with, that you're still holding on to, that you're white knuckled saying, but I think I've got this one. And you can say, okay, what does the gospel say about this? Because the gospel doesn't just win us, it grows us. It doesn't just earn and declare our salvation and our eternity, but it grows us so that we can continue to lean in to the, to the difficulty of life and realize that God is stable in the midst of it all, that he's at work. So if you would, just bow your heads, and if, if you want, you can keep your eyes open. If you want to focus, you can close your eyes. It's, it's more about you not being distracted as the musicians come forward. As they come forward, maybe this morning, the lie that you need to replace with truth is that you can save yourself. Maybe some of you here today believe or have believed, like, hey, I can, I can save myself. I can work this out. And you have not asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. You haven't believed in him. You have not trusted him. You've not gotten to the place where you've prayed a prayer and said, okay, God, I'm getting in the wheelbarrow. And so today, if you have not come into relationship with the Lord, it's as simple as praying a prayer, and it doesn't have to be a specific prayer that you repeat rotely or anything like that, but it's an expression of something that is true in your heart and mind that you've gotten to a place where you're declaring this morning, that you understand that Jesus died for your sins. And in the quietness of your mind, if you've never prayed this prayer, praying something along the lines of saying, God, I'm a sinner, but you died for my sins. Would you forgive me? Come and be the Lord and leader of my life. That's how it starts. If you prayed that prayer or something like it this morning, and you're in this room I'd love to talk to you at the Next Steps area as we wrap up here momentarily after we respond in worship. I'd love to talk to you about what is next in your journey. Eric will be up at the front if you want prayer for anything. You could even ask him about the Next Steps. If you're watching live right now and you're not in the space, obviously, you can click Request Prayer. And you'll go into a private chat with one of our pastors and they'll talk to you about the Next Steps if you just prayed that prayer. If you're watching or listening later on, you can always reach out via email or through our website. We'd love to talk to you about the decision that you've made to follow Jesus. For others of us, what lie can you replace with truth? Maybe it's a situation. Maybe it's a situation where where as you're in the midst of it, you get to the root of it, you're like, I'm... I'm functioning this way because I believe at my core that I'm not lovable. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm running after love in all the wrong places. And I want to tell you today, if you would just replace that lie with the truth and realize that God loves you, man, that'll, that'll set you free. That'll, that'll change every relationship you're in. You don't, you don't have to earn love. God, God loves you the way you are. In fact, he loves you enough to not allow you to stay where you are. Part of the gospel is is getting to the place where we're convicted about the areas of our life and, and we set our mind on him and we say, Okay, God, would you would you root that out of my life? Will you trust him? There's so many lies that the lies that that you're not known. God knows you. Scripture says he knit you together in your mother's womb. He knows you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. The the lie that in some way God's done with you or that he's dismissed you, no way. Not until you've breathed your last. Will you lean in and say, okay, God, how can I participate in what it is that you're doing? Don't settle for the lie of a lesser version of your one and only life. God is not done with you. There's a mission at hand. There's people that need to know the love of God, that need to know the peace that passes all understanding that you have access to. Will you replace that lie with truth to say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing in this and surrounding communities for your glory and my joy. Some of you are believing the lie that you can trust in something other than God. And you're saying, yeah, I just, I can't let go. I can't let go. I want to challenge you to change your mindset, to set your mind on God. Romans says we renew our mind with scripture. Would you look into the truth of scripture and and allow that to wash over your mind and say, okay, I will determine to set my mind on him. God, do what only you can do. Let's worship him this morning because he's worthy to be praised. Not because things go our way, not because even we're in our ideal situation, but because God is worthy to be praised. And that our worship is actually a declaration of our trust. And some of you maybe need to lift your hands as a symbol of surrender and say, okay, God, not my way, your way. And some of you need to maybe lift your hands as a symbol of, of just saying, okay, God, will you, will you pick me up today? Will you embrace me? I trust you. And whether you're demonstrative in your worship or not, that's not the point. The point is declaring that you trust him, that he is worthy of our praise. Let's worship the Lord together. Would you stand with us
2: Truth. Because Jesus, we know that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we want our mind to be set on you. So would you teach us to obey? For by way